1: Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fred Files Podcast. My name is Eric Da, a guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars. This is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa.
0: This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listener submitted emails. I will read the questions and Eric will try to answer them.
1: I'll try. Uh, We've got a lot of good questions today, questions about fret jobs, questions about wood density, questions about Grover tuners, Uh, questions about pickups, a lot of good questions. Um, As always, I've got a lot of crazy things going on in the shop. I've got three custom guitars I'm trying to get done this week. They're all kind of in the final assembly stage. Everything's done. They just need to be you know, put together. And, uh, so that's been fun. A left-handed custom, you know, blonde S style, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Mary Kay. You've worded that carefully. Gold hardware. Yeah.
1: And, uh, then a couple other guitars. Yeah. All custom guitars. And what else am I working on? I just finished a couple of neck resets and I'm just starting another neck reset at 1976 martin d18 that got sent to me from uh from seattle and i'm going to be doing a neck reset and a new saddle on that that'll be fun those martin neck resets are they're just fun i think because uh it's it's a known thing you go in there and you you know what's going to be in there there's no guessing about it well martins are very consistent
0: what if somebody has been in there messing with stuff?
1: Well, with this particular guitar, I've seen it, and I'm I'm pretty sure nobody's been in there.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, it's never had a neck reset, not that I can see. Cool. Uh, absolutely. So shall we do some uh, guitar news? Yeah. That's what I think we should do. It's been a while since we've done guitar news.
0: Guitar news.
1: You want to start it off?
0: Sure. Uh, Prince Guitar sells for record $700,000.
1: That's U.S.? U.S.,
0: says Auction house. Dollars? Dollars. A bidding war resulted in a $700,000 U.S. price tag for a Prince Guitar, the highest price ever paid for one of the late Icon's guitars, according to Julian's auctions. This, gu- is,
1: this is a blue-teal cloud guitar.
0: Yes. And it was originally estimated... To sell between sixty and eighty thousand, so yeah. it went a little over that. Uh, the guitar has a letter of authenticity from Cloud Guitar Maker Andy Beach, who made thirty-one guitars for Prince. Wow! What, what kind of guy needs thirty-one guitars? Prince, I guess so.
1: I mean, if you're a rock star,
0: yeah, I guess why not?
1: But seven hundred thousand—that seems a bit. Uh, That's pretty. Strange. Is it? Is it because he just died not that long ago? Like, would this probably is this price going to go down in ten years?
0: I don't know. I feel like you know Prince is. I mean, he's an like an icon, but he's mm-hmm. kind of like a B list icon. Do you know what eh, I mean?
1: I don't know. I think there's a lot of people shaking their heads on that. Uh, he's 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 up there, man. I mean, yeah, he's he's not Michael Jackson, but he's
0: yeah. I guess I would right up there. I would say he's right under Michael Jackson.
1: And he's actually, I think, more talented. I mean, he actually plays guitar. He's a great guitar player. Yeah. He's a great guitar player, and you know the m- cool thing about Prince is he's an amazing record producer. He does the craziest things on his records, like there will be just the reverb of a snare, but there's no snare; it's just the reverb of a snare. Hmm. Just cr- he does crazy. Th- he was kind of a pioneer.
0: Interesting. Uh, the iconic musician died in April 2016 from an accidental drug overdose. Accidental. At his, <laughs> at his Paisley Park complex. The blue-teal cloud guitar went far above the sixty dollars to $80,000 expected at auction.
1: Yeah, ten times.
0: Yeah. The guitar was one of several items up for sale by rock legends. A mm. Michael Jackson black-and-white rhinestone glove sold for $102,000. Wait,
1: somebody bought a glove for $102,000? Yeah,
0: that's right. While a red snakeskin jacket in the mold of the one he wore in his Beat It video sold for $118,000. It's
1: not even the it's real not- jacket?
0: It's just in. Does that mean he even owned it?
1: It's just a replica, and it was one hundred and eighteen thousand. That's 000? insane. Somebody's getting ripped off. Yeah, your, I feel like uh, somebody
0: was confused when they they put that bid in. That's crazy. Uh, and an MTV Video Music Award Moonman, won by Kurt Cobain, went for sixty two thousand five hundred dollars. Who? Yeah, he was in a band called uh, Nirvana. You might oh, have yeah. heard of them. Uh, and a Nehru shirt worn by Jimi Hendrix sold for $106,000. And handwritten lyrics to David Bowie's Starman sold for $81,000. That's a
1: great song. Starman.
0: I like your Star version. Starman. That's a good version. I like it.
1: That's not it. Tangled Up in Green is the uh, headline in Dallas dylan guitar sells for nearly four hundred thousand dollars
0: jeez
1: yeah in dallas a guitar played by bob dylan aka bob zimmerman notable he has a real name zimmerman
0: i didn't know that
1: well yeah you think he was he just came out bob dylan
0: well but his son is goes by jacob dylan is he jacob zimmerman or did they change their name
1: i'm not an expert I (laughs) i just know what i know all
0: right continue.
1: A guitar played by Bob Dylan at notable concerts in the 70s has sold at auction for nearly $400,000. Heritage Auctions in Dallas, says a buyer requesting anonymity. I don't blame him. No. Paid $396,500 Saturday for the... Uh, I don't know what Saturday that is, but a recent Saturday for the singer-songwriter's 1963 Martin D-28. Man, that's a lot of money for a yeah. 63 D-28. That should be more like four grand, four hundred thousand dollars. Okay, the company says Dylan played the guitar through his set at George Harrison's concert for Bangladesh in New York City in seventy-one, and during his Rolling Thunder Review tour from October seventy-five to May seventy-six, which coincidentally is my favorite Dylan period. That Rolling Thunder Review is unstoppable.
0: So, would you have paid four hundred thousand if you had an extra four hundred thousand dollars? Are you kidding me? I know it's insane.
1: The guitar was sold by uh, this guy named Larry. Larry Craig, who was Dylan's guitar repairman. The original 77 purchase receipt, which was included in the offering, shows Craig bought the guitar from Dylan for $500. Well, that's a pretty good investment. Yeah, I would so say. So if you're in the 70s and you and you repair <laughs> Dylan's guitars, buy some of them. Yeah. It's a good investment. A Fender Stratocaster, Dylan played at the 65 Newport Folk Festival, when he went electric, sold for nearly a million in 2013.
0: Wow. Interesting.
1: Yeah, how about that? Expensive guitars.
0: I guess electric is a a little more in demand. What else we got? Uh, Martin Guitar targeted in $20,000 scam, but isn't fooled. Hmm. A 36-year-old Texas man targeted Martin Guitar in a scam that touched 36 companies in 11 states and four foreign countries but didn't get anything from the renowned Upper Nazareth Township Company, authorities report. (laughs) Michael Glenn Barnes of Gun Barrel City posed as members or employees of bands and sports teams and did manage to get music and athletic gear companies to ship him more than $20,000 in products from May 2015 through September of this year, says the U.S. Attorney's Office. So he
1: was posing as... Members of bands or sports teams?
0: That's correct. And
1: trying to get free stuff?
0: I guess so. Uh, Barnes was charged in an indictment released Wednesday with aggravated identity theft, wire fraud, and mail fraud. Oh. Uh, Barnes created Gmail accounts under the names of several other people to facilitate the scam, court papers say.
1: Mail fraud really will get you behind bars fast.
0: Yeah, that's not good.
1: Barnes was behind bars Thursday morning in Gregg County Jail in Longview, Texas, Records Show on or about July 14th, 2015. Barnes emailed Martin, claiming to be someone he wasn't, and uh, said he was a tour manager for Three Days Grace, which I've never heard of. Is that a band?
0: Yeah, it was popular 10 years ago.
1: God, he's not even with the times. (laughs) Wow. He's got out, he's got an outdated scam. (laughs) He asked the company to give him a black composite cutaway acoustic guitar worth about $400. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: worth it. That's worth
1: it. (laughs) He's, He's scamming Martin for one of those plastic guitars. Oh my God. He said it was to be used in a Rolling Stone magazine photo shoot. Because Rolling Stone's gonna have three days grace on the cover, right?
0: Right. With a plastic guitar.
1: Please. He asked it to be shipped to his home, but it wasn't.
0: Uh Martin didn't imme- didn't immediately respond early Thursday to an after hours request for comment. On or about November 17th, 2016, Barnes again emailed the company saying he was someone he was not, of the group Memphis May Fire which I've never heard of.
1: He's just making stuff up He's making stuff
0: up, yeah. He asked for a specific acoustic guitar worth about $440, which he said would be used in three photo shoots with a band. And in March of 2017, he emailed them again, saying he was somebody he was not, and he asked for a guitar valued at $1,000, which is really stepping it up for him. He's
1: a small-time crook, but the point is, He contacted companies in California, Georgia, Wisconsin, Missouri, Pennsylvania, Maryland, New York, Florida, Washington, Oregon, New Jersey, as well as in Germany and in the United Kingdom, Canada, and Italy. If convicted, Barnes faces 800 years (laughs) behind bars, 800 years, which includes a mandatory two-year jail sentence, a $10,000 fine, and a $4,000 special assessment. Of the U.S. Attorney's office,
0: so this guy could get life in prison yeah. for twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff.
1: Well, it's all fraud and uh, uh, identity theft, and yeah, mail fraud, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, they probably have seven hundred counts against him. I wonder if that's a typo. Eight hundred years?
0: It's probably eighty. It's got to be eighty.
1: It might be eight. Anyway, oh, yeah. book him. Yep. Should we do some uh, some uh, questions?
0: We have a uh, a love letter to read first.
1: Oh man, I was really blown away. Some somebody out there, some benevolent wonderful listener sent us a letter that happened to have a uh, a nice note
0: which we're going to read for which you. Which we're
1: going to read for you and uh, a little bit of cash. They just sent us cash in the mail. I I was blown away.
0: So here's the letter. <clears throat> Hey Eric and Melissa, I hope you and your family are well. I am a fellow non-luthier who scrapes a living in the world of guitar stuff. I have massively enjoyed the podcast over the years, and as someone also with a young family, I cannot begin to imagine how you have the time or energy to record episodes.
1: It ain't easy, bub. <laughs>
0: Uh, Your honest take on the joy and frustrations of the business has got me through many a long day in the shop. I was trying to think of some way to say thanks, so I figured maybe the best thing to do was just to buy you dinner. Hope there is either enough to take the kids or just the two of you and some drinks. Thanks again. You are doing something amazing. P.S. Didn't sign it as I didn't want you reading my name out on the air. I just wanted to do something nice. Also, the episodes without Melissa aren't as funny. well well thank you
1: but from the bottom of my heart thank you very much we do appreciate it yeah i mean i don't expect you all to start sending me money now but you know it made me think maybe we need to set up like a patreon yeah deal or something
0: yeah not
1: that we're gonna be beggars but just maybe some kind of tip jar i don't know
0: i think that's a good idea
1: let's take some questions shall we
0: sounds good Eric and Melissa love the podcast. I am an amateur guitar repair guy. I do most of my own work and I do repair and setup up work for many friends. I am not a pro. I have a day job, but I really enjoy learning more and more about guitar repair. I've never done a neck reset and I was curious. Are they all pretty predictable? Are some acoustic guitar necks, acoustic guitar neck resets more difficult than others just due to the nature of the guitar? What factors are at play that will determine how involved a neck reset gets? Are there certain brands that you just won't do a neck reset on? Thanks in advance. I look forward to hearing your answer on an upcoming episode. Jason.
1: Cool. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, neck resets. They are um, something that can be unpredictable. You know, just like I was saying there in the beginning of the show, Martins are are very predictable. Um, At least for the most part. But yeah, they vary from brand to brand and from guitar to guitar. There are guitars that are much harder to do neck resets on. Um, Guild acoustics come to mind. They just have a very wide heel. And there's always almost really thick finish where the neck meets the body. And it just makes it really hard to get that off and make it look clean. It's just a real pain in the neck. They're just not... <laughs> Yeah, they're not made to come apart. Um, so it depends on the guitar. There's other guitars, you know, nowadays, I mean, we've got the modern bolt on, uh, guitar, acoustic guitars like Taylor's that, uh, are a lot easier to reset than any kind of a dovetail, you know, glue joint. But, um, those have their benefits and, and drawbacks, of course. And there are some guitars like the Asian made guitars like Yamaha's that I won't do because I don't know what's going on in there. Some of them I, I hear, you know, some of them are doweled on. Some of them are just kind of like some weird butt joint. I don't want to mess with those. And really honestly, they're not really worth it. They're, they're, they're two or $300 guitars that just don't warrant a, uh, a $300 neck reset usually. But yeah, it depends on the brand. You know, Gibson's are pretty, pretty run-of-the-mill, usually. Um, old Harmonies and old American-made, you know, Harmonies and K's and Martins, they're all going to be usually a dovetail joint with hide glue. You steam off the neck, and I won't get into how all of that works, but to answer your specific question, yeah, it does vary a lot. There's a lot of factors because... They're put together in different ways. Different brands uh, have different ways to make their neck joints. So um, it's just something that, you know, you kind of have to know about before you get into. And, uh, yeah, you know, if you want to try your hand at a neck reset, look for a cheap, junky old Harmony. I'll try that first. That's my advice.
0: Cool. Thanks, Jason. Hey Eric and Melissa, love the most recent episode, especially your quick "What's on your bench" summary at the beginning. I am in the process of building a few tele necks, and I've been wondering how you would sequence the steps of neck construction. The necks have been have glued on fingerboards and truss rods already installed. The necks are also shaped to using a router and template. Assume you have three things left to consider carving the neck, installing the frets using a hammer, and leveling the frets. In what order do you do these things? Have you ever seen any other professionals do them in a different order than you would? What do you see as the benefits to your preferred way of doing it? Thanks, Peter in Portland, Maine.
1: Thanks, Peter. I don't think that there's going to be much difference in how you do it. Here's how I would do it. I would shape the neck first, and then I would fret it because um, to me, I mean, I've done a a million fret jobs and uh it's always on a neck that's already shaped i just uh, to me i would shape the neck first and then fret it at the end and of course you know leveling the frets could only come after you install them but uh if you do a good job installing them you shouldn't need to level them so cool yeah
0: thanks peter hi i was admiring your lovely guitars that you make why thank you and i was wondering where do you get those nifty vintage looking girly (laughs) pinup decals that are on the backs of the guitars do you have those made or are they from your secret stash of vintage decals just curious and keep up the good work love the podcast paul
1: (laughs) thanks paul um those are actually vintage decals and they're they're getting rarer and scarcer and I find them anywhere I can and I pay a pretty penny for them. Um it's my secret stash, absolutely. I used to make my own on um you can you know you can buy decal paper for an inkjet or a laserjet printer and you can print your own decals. The problem with that is that inkjets and laser printers won't print white. Oh. So uh It's a very transparent decal, and it only works on a white or very, very light-colored guitar. You know, if you tried to put it on a sonic blue or a really, really light blue guitar, the flesh tones would just look blue, and it, you, there's no way to make it look nice unless you're putting it on a white guitar. So I used to make my own decals, uh, but I didn't do that for very long because uh, it just didn't work very well, it didn't look very good. So yeah, I collect vintage water slide, pin-up girl decals.
0: So with the... Because
1: I need one for each guitar I make. So if you have a stash you're sitting on, contact me because I'm interested.
0: Will there come a day when you have to rename your guitars? I don't
1: know what I'm going to do because it's it's already getting to a point where I'm, you know... I mean, I'm not running out of them, but I'm running lower and lower all the time. Yeah. I typically will try to find them... um, on the auction sites like ebay uh and i'll try to buy a lot if a lot comes up of you know 20 of them i'll buy the whole lot
0: right yeah well cool thanks paul Hi, Eric. I like to hear your opinion on wood species and the density as it applies to solid body guitars and particularly solid body basses. Aging boomers like me are pretty sensitive to weight. Standing through a four-hour gig with a heavy bass is becoming a real issue for me. Does a dense body really contribute to sustain and or improve tone, all other things being equal? Thanks and very best to you and M and the family. David.
1: Thanks, David. You know, you're going to hear different opinions on this, and and different builders will have different opinions, and different players will have different opinions. My opinion is that um, you should go for a lightweight bass. Because if if you're doing four-hour gigs, and a heavy bass is becoming a real issue, nobody in the crowd is going to look at you and say to themselves in their head, Man, his tone is pretty good, but I can tell his bass is lightweight. <laughs> it's just not a consideration, man. Your comfort is more important anyway. And in my opinion is, I I try to make very lightweight guitars because I feel like they resonate better. You know, a lightweight guitar, uh, like a lightweight piece of swamp ash, is has more air in it. Than a denser guitar than a denser piece of wood like maple or something, and so to me, I think that it resonates better. Uh, is it going to have tonal differences? Yeah, sure, probably. But you know, we're dealing with electric guitars where most of the tone is going on in the pickups and in the way the guitars put together and in your hands and in your amp and whatever effects you're using, if at all. But um, yeah. No, I, it it wouldn't even be a consideration to me. And the guys that go on and on about heavy, you have to have heavy guitars for sustain. I, you know, let's go listen to Albert King. He plays a Corina, super lightweight, flying V. I mean, that guitar is featherweight and he's got endless sustain. So. Well, there there you you go. There you have
0: it. (laughs) Hi, Eric and Mel. I picked up a 60s silver tone acoustic. Someone did a terrible fret work on four frets. The 12th fret through the 16th are not seated all the way down in the fret slots on the treble side, keeping me from getting a decent setup on it, and they are poorly cut on the ends. I want to do the work myself. Where do I start? What do I need to do? Any, thanks for any help you can give. Zach in Ohio.
1: Zach, thanks for the question. I'm going to assume, just from your question, that You've never done fretwork before. And so, pardon me for saying this, but you're going to mess it up. So don't start on this guitar. Start on a guitar you don't care about. Uh, practice on something you don't care about. Go down to a, a pawn shop or a thrift store and buy some, you know, first act $20 kid's guitar and uh, practice on that. Pull the frets out and put new frets in. Try that. Because, um, it's going to be a learning experience and you're going to be twice as good if this 60 silver tone is your second fret job than if, than if it's your first, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, do some practice first. What, what, what do you need? What tools do you need? You're going to need a fret puller. You're going to need fret cutters. You're going to need fret wire. You're going to need a fretting hammer. Um, you're going to need a fret slot saw, probably, or at least uh, one of those little spot saws just so you can clean the fret slot. You might need an X-Acto knife. You might need uh, – there's all kinds of things. Check out um, the uh, fretting section of Stuart McDonald catalog.
0: I bet if you just get online on YouTube and and look for – Refretting videos. There's probably a billion There's of tr-
1: them. Oh yeah, I'm sure there probably is. Yeah, but that's my main advice is practice on junk, practice on scrap, and then and then get a little bit more comfortable with it.
0: I'm gonna play devil's advocate for just a second. If yeah. this were your guitar, and so they're just popping up on one side, from what I'm getting. So would could you just hammer them down? Maybe seep some super glue under there and hammer them down.
1: If Everything else looks okay on the guitar. I would take, I would take those frets out, re-radius them so that they're, they're tensioned properly and then reinstall them so that they don't pop up anymore. I see. But, um, if they're loose in there, you know, most of those old sixties harmonies and silver tones use a fret wire that the tang barely bites into the wood. They don't have much bite on the tang. And so loose frets are a real common problem on those. Hmm. So it's not a bad idea to just pull all the frets out and put new frets in it.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. It's hard for me to talk about the guitars that I make. I feel like I'm bragging, or I feel like I'm being a pushy salesman. But I'm not above reading unsolicited emails from happy owners of my guitars... And uh, calling it a commercial
0: Hi Eric, hope you are doing well Just wanted to follow up and say that I love this guitar The tonal difference in all of the switch positions is amazing The neck is so fast and straight And it's very light Most importantly, the pickups are incredible Any tone is available Nate Well,
1: thanks Nate I'm so glad that he's happy with that one.
0: Eric, thanks so much for making my favorite guitar. Well, I've owned so many, and I can't figure out why this guitar feels like the one that I've been playing with my whole life, even though I've only had it a month. Thank you, Eli. Right on. You did it again, my friend. Why do your pickups sound so good? <laughs> David.
1: Uh, you know, I tell people it's like it's like making a cake. You gotta have the right recipe, you gotta have quality ingredients, and you have to, it all comes together in a certain way. And if you do the wrong thing at any certain step, then you end up with a bad cake. Right. It's like making a delicious, very good sounding cake. Go ahead.
0: Recently purchased the Nitro Blonde Pin Up Custom Guitar you made. The intonation, resonance, playability, and that amazing tone in all three coil selections is by far the best I have ever played. I plug in and can't stop playing for hours. I will probably sell both of my other guitars and get another pinup. Thanks, Douglas.
1: That's what I like to hear. Douglas, thank you. And you guys are so nice. You can see these lovely creations at pinupcustomguitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl. pinupcustomguitars.com.
0: Hey everyone, it's Melissa. As many of you may know, I make tooled leather guitar straps. Each strap is cut, carved, stamped, dyed, and finished by hand. My straps are made to last a lifetime. Visit melcoleather.com to check out my designs or contact me with your custom order. Contact me through my Etsy site or melcoleather at gmail.com. Podcast listeners will receive 15% off their order on Etsy when they use code FRETFILES at checkout. melcoleather.com M-E-L is there any such thing as left-handed pickups i heard a guy talking about it at a guitar store and couldn't tell if he was joking or not why would a pickup need to be left-handed aren't they kind of universal thanks morgan
1: it's like left-handed amps
0: that makes perfect sense
1: Left- yeah <laughs> what do you think melissa do you think there's left-handed pickups
0: um no i don't
1: hmm. and
0: i might be wrong is there there are. What? Yeah. No. Yeah,
1: there are. So...
0: Why? <laughs> what is it because of the staggered out. pole pieces? Yes.
1: Yes, it is. Most pickups are going to be universal. Almost every pickup, like a Gibson Humbucker or a or a Mini Humbucker or a P90 or a, a Gretsch pickup or a Rickenbacker pickup, they're all pretty much universal, righty or lefty. They will work either way. The pickups that aren't universal, and, and you could still use it, but it's, it's just a little bit off, are the staggered Strat pickups. Wow. Because the B string is just a slight bit lower than the, uh, so so that it's got, let me think about it, one, two, three, and then it's, it has three different sizes of magnets. The two middle ones are real tall. The low E and A are one size, which is the same size as the high E. And then the B string is just slightly shorter.
0: Oh. And
1: so that doesn't work.
0: Flipped around. Flipped
1: around. Then you've got the A string slightly shorter. So there is a left-handed stagger Stratocaster pickup. That is a thing. That really is a thing. But for the most part... It's not a thing. It's most pickups are just totally universal, lefty or righty.
0: Well, so left-handed amps are, that's a joke, right? Yes, that's a joke. (laughs) Because I thought we were going to read this question. You were going to be like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've
1: ever heard. Yeah, it's real. There's, in fact, I just made some because I just made a lefty, uh, I don't want to say it's a strat, but it looks, it casts the same shadow. But uh, uh, yeah, the stagger was opposite. Wow. You know, because it's lefty.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Thanks, Morgan. I've noticed that vintage fenders don't really have washers where other guitars would have them, specifically (laughs) on the pots and jack. Was Leo Fender really that cheap? He didn't, he just didn't use washers. What's your opinion of this? Do you use washers on, on potentiometers on the guitars you make? Ed?
1: I do use washers. I like washers, Ed. Thanks for the question. Um, I've wondered that too, you know, was Leo, cause Leo, here's the deal. Leo Fender was a notorious penny pincher. They have paperwork of his, you know, going out and itemizing, you know, like I've seen the, the, the worksheet for making a, uh, uh, like a, a Telecaster pickup and it goes through and itemizes, you know, 18 inches of string and. You know every little every little thing that goes in a Telecaster pickup, and how many fractions of a penny he's spending on each thing. So he really was a spendthrift. Wow. Yeah. So I've wondered that myself. It, there's there's a suspicious lack of washers on those <laughs> guitars, and and to me it seems like they should have washers. I'm I'm with Ed on this one. And I certainly use washers when I, when I make a guitar. Um, in fact, it's hard not to. I would be throwing washers away because when I buy pots and, you know, for 20 years, I've never seen pots available for sale without at least a washer and a nut, sometimes even a lock washer. So, um, they come with washers. I'm gonna use them. My guess is, and I've never done this so, this is my guess that he was buying huge bins full of pots from the manufacturer. When I buy pots, I buy them from kind of a middleman distributor who probably puts the, the washer and the nut on the pot. I, I don't know. That's my guess. Hmm. Leo was probably ordering pots directly from the factory. They'd come in in huge crates like the, you know, packed in uh, packed in wood shavings you know like the leg lamp in the christmas story right um and so if you're ordering from the manufacturer like that maybe they don't come with a a nut and a a washer i don't know i i don't know because i wasn't there but it's certainly something that i've thought about before was he really that cheap that he didn't want to buy washers i guess maybe so Uh, you know we'll never we'll never really know
0: there's no tone difference, or just, no. Just, I mean, like any particular reason it could possibly be from a building standpoint. Well,
1: no, and and you know, from a, a mechanical standpoint, I mean, a washer is is a really good thing to have there. Right. So, I just I can't think of any reason why they would be left off. Any benefit?
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ed. It seems like Grover tuners have suffered from a real drop in quality. Have you noticed this as well? They used to be rock solid, but I've seen some on some guitars lately that really weren't that great. They seem inferior. I was really kind of shocked. Have you seen this? Thanks, Jim.
1: Yeah, Jim, uh, the good Grovers that you get from a reputable distributor are still good. I've seen this a lot, but they ha- there's like... There's like a second tier of Grovers that they put on cheap guitars. Um, and they really are, you know, that you can tell by looking at them, like the plating is off and the where it says Grover isn't as crisp and, and there's a little bit of play in them. I've wondered if maybe there's not some kind of, uh,
0: like a black market
1: fraud going on.
0: Yeah.
1: If, they're, if they're not market. phony Grovers. I've wondered about that, especially—I know there's definitely phony Grovers going on on cheap, really cheap uh Chinese fake Gibsons and things like that, you right. know. There's not any real parts on those guitars. And the tuners will say Grover right on them. Wow. You know, but they're not Grovers. Right. So maybe that's what you've been seeing is some of the knockoff tuners, because they are out there. Um But yeah, it's—you know, when I see like an Epiphone, an Epiphone with Grovers— I know what you're saying. It's it's like the quality is not as good as like if I go to all parts and buy a $75 pack of of grovers. It's not the same tuner, it doesn't seem to me. Right. I know exactly what you're saying. So yeah, I have noticed that.
0: Hmm. Well, thanks, Jim. Hi Eric and Melissa. I am really happy for your, for you both. Your move to Idaho really seems to be working out well. Yeah. I love the alternate Q&A and interview format of the podcasts. It really makes me feel guilty not to be sending more in questions and comments. So I'll try to get something to you fortnightly. Hey. How does that sound? This is just a quick tip. Pet food suppliers in the UK sell... Wait, ch- pet
1: food suppliers? What happened? We <laughs> just took a left turn.
0: Just let me, let me finish. S-
1: start over. I feel like I need to pay attention for this.
0: Okay, you ready? Yeah. Pet food suppliers in the UK sell chunky, bleached, boiled cow bones for dogs to chew on. Some of them are stuffed with some kind of gross marrow substitute.
1: (laughs) Marrow substitute? (laughs) Spam?
0: But they're also available hollow. I've used these in the past for cutting out bone blanks, and they work really well. Oh, now I
1: understand where we're going with this.
0: Uh, very low cost and without all the boiling yeah. and scraping stuff you pers- you described a couple of episodes back, Eric. Yeah. No hearty bone broth, but you no, can't have everything.
1: Yeah, that is a shame.
0: You'll have to buy separate cow bones for the broth. Yeah. I'm sure there must be similar products available in the U.S. Having said that, nowadays I use vintage bone nut blanks from a German supplier. I don't know what vintage really means with these, but they're a nice, creamy amber color and sound great. Hmm. Keep up the great work, guys. All the very best from Peter in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Thanks,
1: Peter. Yeah, vintage nut blanks from your German supplier there. I don't think that means they're old.
0: Probably just means they use some stain on it.
1: Well, no, I don't think that it means that either. It means that they're probably just unbleached because oh. I, I buy a similar product from all parts. I buy their unbleached bone blanks and they have just a lovely creamy kind of yellowed look to them. Like a Am- buttery amber. color. Yeah, an amber color and they are they are really nice. A lot of people feel like bleaching nut material, bleaching bone um compromises it just a little bit.
0: Hmm.
1: Now, does it really? I don't know. But I like the look of the unbleached, so I might as well use it anyway. Yeah. That's interesting. Pet food suppliers are selling chunky, bleached, boiled cow bones.
0: So do I need to go to the pet store and find one of these for you?
1: I've seen, uh, you know, I when I worked at Emerald City Guitars, we happened to be above a basement pet store. And uh, I went down there once, and they were selling... These crazy, I don't even know what animal it came off of, but it's this black horn. And it was like a really, it was horn. Really? Yeah. As a dog chew toy. And it was a little horn.
0: Was it like a goat horn you know, or something? Yeah, How like long a, was it? It
1: was black and shiny and pretty dense. And um, it was just enough to like fit in the palm of your hand, just a little.
0: And it was solid? It wasn't yeah. hollow? interesting yeah
1: so I bought it and cut it into a couple nut blanks and used it and wow. it was pretty cool
0: did it work just as well it as it was bone? softer
1: than bone oh. and uh, you know it wasn't my favorite I wouldn't I wouldn't use it all the time I just used it as an experiment I just picked it up like hey this is cool oh. horn and you use this on a
0: that is interesting on a guitar yeah you never, you never told me about that
1: I feel like I did but maybe it's uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> Been a long time. Been a long, long, lonely, lonely, lonely. That's all for this episode of the Fret Files. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, thanks for participating. If you haven't yet, you should participate, that is. Go to my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link. Send in your question there. The other way to do it is to call 757-774-8482 and leave a message. We'll use your call as part of the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.